and all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. Welcome to Entitled Town. Uh, let's get right into it here, Dan. Um, Scartelli is here as well. Uh, my name is Mike Irons. Dan, Dallas 35, New England 29, uh, an overtime game at Foxborough. They're 0-4 at home. Uh, season clearly over, right? Uh, they were cowards, and the season is over already. But what were your impressions about a truly bizarre game at Gillette? Now I have time for all that apple picking and uh, leaf peeping. You know what would be nice? Because the season's over. No, you know, mixed feelings. It was such... Uh, so many opportunities just thrown away. It was good that they could trade blows and with a legitimate uh, Super Bowl contender, but all those missed opportunities were just so frustrating. And um, we saw how, uh, like Mike Reese and Tom Curran, two of the more level-headed Patriots writers, wrote essentially the same column within a day of each other. That now is the time for the Patriots to start finding a way to win those types of games. I was, I was thinking back to um, when the Belichick era started in 2000 and we'd, we'd watch how they just didn't have the talent to keep up with teams, but they were still finding ways to stay close, stay close. And, and then the, you know, the, with the payoff the following season, you know, that's all well and good, but we've been through so much winning that we're not, nobody's going to stand pat for a, uh, for a 2000 season, even if there's a 2001 right around the corner. That's I think that's completely fair. Uh, Scartelli, what were your what did you think? What were your feelings after after that game? After that, just gut punch of a loss. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it always seems like the team that managed to uh, tie the game to send it to overtime manages to find a way to win. Yeah. Unfortunately for the uh, for the Patriots this time around, and it was it was a disappointing loss. Unfortunately, it's. Not something that uh, not something that Patriots fans in general are used to, and the folks who come in, you know, on the uh, last half, the last quarter of the dynasty, it's almost understandable how you know upset they are because this is just uh, does not compute sort of stuff. This is not the sort of uh, Patriots team that they that they're used to seeing. Short circuit, you know, us, us, uh, oh, exactly, us. You know, we old timers, we know what we're seeing. There's these were three of the losses were, you know, winnable games as, as, as I see it, mm -hmm. but these were, this was not the sort of, uh, this wasn't watching uh Bledsoe just, uh, just trying to throw the ball, you know, out of the stadium during his last uh, few years with the team. This wasn't uh cam last year. There's, there's, there's hope. There's hope out there, but the, the absolutely frustratingest part is the parts that were supposed to be good yes. aren't working well. Yes. The defense isn't uh, it, the defense isn't doing it. You don't uh, give up 500 yards and, uh, and you, you can't give up 500 yards and win generally. Uh, the special teams hasn't been anything to write home about. It's, second blocked, uh, second blocked punt allowed of the season on Sunday. Unheard of for a Belichick team. Granted, you know, this isn't uh, 
this isn't some sort of video game where you can hit the dip switch to no injuries, but um, you, I, you've got to find a way to find a way to win. I feel like I, I don't want to repeat myself. Actually, I'm going to, what do I care? I'll repeat myself. Um, <laughs> they are, it's the Belichick has said time. And again, the football comes down, a football game comes down to a couple of plays. And we saw it just in the last couple of minutes there kind of NBA style. Um, they had them fourth and four. They had them third and 25 and allowed a 24-yard completion that got them in range for Zerline. I was convinced he was going to miss that kick. I was trying to wish cast and put that out there. And then it comes down to the fourth and three that was, it's been much discussed. And I'm sure we'll discuss that in a little bit more depth later. Um, but Dan, going back to you, um, how did, how did you, I mean, it does come down a couple of plays, but uh, you wanted to expound. Yeah, actually, it's just what Scarcy was saying. You know, the, the areas that we were expecting to be strong just haven't shown up, the, the lines especially. You know, we were, I think we had an expectation of a certain type of season just looking at what we thought that offensive line was going to look like and what we thought that, how uh, much we thought they were going to be able to run stop on defense. And, and that just hasn't happened. And I, and I think looking for, I don't want to look past the Jets, but looking past the Jets, <laughs> I think that chargers game is really going to be a key, you know, what, what is going to show up for another, the next really talented opponent at a, at a time where, you know, hopefully we, uh, that the Patriots will be uh, evening their record. Hopefully I absolutely. Um, the next point that I wanted to get into Scartelli is that these are a couple of the quotes after the game. I want to throw the challenge flag back on Dan regarding Curran's piece, because while I thought a lot of it was fair, there was a lot of stuff in there that I thought was wildly off base. Um, Evan Lazar called the Patriots cowards for not, uh, for their uh, tepid, uh, 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 not going for it on fourth down. And I'd love to know what the hell a surrendering index is that he referenced when he made that point. Um, this is the current quote that I think it's fair to discuss, Scarzi. He says, quote, they aren't that good, but they are wildly entertaining. Am I deluding myself? And it's, it's possible they am because I am a fan. I'm not a member of the fourth estate, fair and balanced. Am I deluding myself thinking that they're close to figuring something out and close to becoming a better than average NFL offense? And there were, there were times during the game you know, they went 20 minutes without a first down as the CBS broadcast team. Jesus, that CBS broadcast team harped on during the game. I, you know, I see the glasses half full and currencies, Tom Sr.'s glasses half empty. So are we both right? I was entertained for everything except for the overtime. That, that, uh, that 75 yard, uh, I don't know if it was a dink or a dunk. That was a hell of a throw. I thought he, I thought he had no arm strength or whichever, but we will we'll see make about that, that. Throw, to make that throw after that, just nut crushing interception and in return for a touchdown by Diggs. It's, it's starting to, maybe it's not starting to come together, Pepper, but there are signs that it's starting to come together. I guess that's my point, Scartelli. I'm sorry to oh, interrupt I'm, you. No, no, no. I'd, uh, it's always good to bring up concrete examples. And I, I believe that if, um, Oh, the uh, that surrender index is some sort of Twitter account that has uh, numbers that make uh, PFF look absolutely Euclidean. So <laughs> I don't know. I, John, I don't know what I, to do about that. 
John and I are itching to do kind of a, a, a analyzing analytics in football because I think I, I think they're increasingly less useful in football as even as they become more widely spread. Dan, throwing it to you the current quote, um, you know, we, we agree to disagree on that one. I'll add in add on to that. Uh, this is Matthew Fairburn. Um, he of the uh, dildo to- dildo tossers and folding chair murderers from up in Buffalo. He's the import from up in there. This is a quote from his in his athletic story. Uh, Belichick's coaching is a big reason the Patriots have been able to compete with the best teams in the NFL this season. But these conservative calls in key situations have also held them back. Matthew, one might be causing the Patriots to be hanging around with the best teams in the NFL in these games. One of these things might be helping cause the other. Uh, Dan, your your thoughts on the, the media reactions, the Lazars, the Currens, and the, uh, the athletic disgrace? Well, it's... We, we, we say this all the time about Belichick, and it's something that always makes us sound like we're one of these uh, always Bill, Bill can do no wrong kind of uh, advocates. And, and it's not the case. It's just that compared to the media guys, compared to the fans out there, who else is there to make that decision? He's been through it. He's, he's made decisions that have won some big games, and he's got the history of winning on his side. I'm... I'm Gonna uh, catch hell from our, our uh, friend of the pod, Mike. Mike on Route One, but I'm gonna make a uh, an Aaron Sorkin reference reference from uh, A Few Good Men. <laughs> so you remember in the in the movie where they're trying to decide whether or not they want to put Colonel Jessup on the stand, and Caffey's talking to Weinberg, and he's and he's saying, you know, would would you put him up there? And Weinberg says, no. Would my father put him up there? No, and he never would. And he said, Weinberg said back to him the thing is and we can't get around around this is that you're the you're the lawyer and and that's the decision well belichick is the guy that has to make those those decisions he has to consider a thousand factors in real time while our efforts at it are at best gut decisions and at in worst real t- it, in real time is the key phrase correct yeah like well you know he he, he got lambasted for the the fourth and two in indy and then he got praised in Super Bowl 49 when he didn't call the timeout. Ballsy. And all those those decisions he has to make in real time, trying to consider all the, the 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 possibilities that could happen and all the all the factors that have led up to that point. We don't know what things he considered when he was trying to decide whether to go for it on fourth and three. But he he's not aided like we are by knowing the outcome of the decision. When Belichick did not call timeout after Marshawn Lynch got the ball down to the one in Super Bowl 49, how many, I think the mass deletion of all those hot take columns may have broken the internet after Super Bowl 49. I don't remember because I think I blacked out right after Malcolm Butler intercepted the football. Um, yeah, you're right. It's a good point. It's, it's in real time. Um, I mean, sure, we, the three of us um, have had questions like, would you have gone for it? Dan and I certainly went, had a, a longer discussion offline about that sort of thing. It's, it's a legitimate, it certainly is legitimate, but you know, Mike, Mike, if they had lost that game, Mike McCarthy deservedly should have gotten roasted for going for it on fourth and one against a team that was presumed to be by most, most watchers, that Dallas is a far superior team to the Patriots. And he's helping set up the Patriots for success by giving the ball nearly in the Dallas red zone at that point. So it's, 
after the fact, you know, I used to call Breer after the fact, Al. I mean, they're bunt- everybody is dealing with this as after the fact. It's, you know, it's easy to do that after the fact. So that's, that's pretty obvious. Scartsy, that, that CBS broadcast on Sunday. Every, I am not friends with Jim Nance, but holy cow, Tony Romo was brutal with a capital B. It wasn't a good. It wasn't a good listen. Like uh, like someone said, if you could uh, create some sort of app that would uh, mute a particular broadcast or broadcast team, that's a million dollar idea. million dollar idea. <laughs> but oh my, oh, just the the literal cheerleading for his uh, for his old team. It, it, uh, it really stood out, and in not a pleasant way f- for me. I. Very true. Every, every every fan base thinks that the uh, thinks that the announcers are biased against their team, but uh, I think anyone uh, anyone who was watching the game who was you know wearing their uh, Patriots footy pajamas might have a might have a case to be made in the in the court of public opinion. It's it's a great point. It, it was a little bit embarrassing. The fact that Dan that I actually burst out laughing when Tony Romo, a very a very good professional quarterback. Did not know the rules regarding you can't take two penalties on one play after the, I believe it was a holding on Dallas in overtime or the, towards the end of the fourth quarter, followed by the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. He, he had them going into either second and 60 or third and 42. I mean, it's maybe a bit telling why Tony Romo never won a playoff game, had la- maybe lacking a bit of attention to detail. It was pretty embarrassing for him. Hey, was has he been like that in other t- uh, Cowboys games that he's done. He's a, he's a, I think it's fair to say that he's a bit of a fanboy for the Cowboys. And I, it's, it's understandable to a point, but we made the point in the group thread. It's like, no one wants to shine a black light in the Gillette booth after he hit CD lamb for the game winner, because I'm convinced that he exploded, <laughs> but with, not, not just with his voice, Scartelli. I just wish he had uh, found the time to let us know that Dallas has all the weapons to go to the Super Bowl. More than, you know, five, six, ten times during the game. <laughs> uh, I'll take the over on each one of those points. Uh, he was brutal. Uh, going even to more brutal. So the game's over. Uh, we're on to the Jets this weekend. And hopefully they'll they'll right the ship and and start taking the, the baby steps and continue taking steps uh, in a positive direction. So maybe they can get right against the Jets. Romo was brutal. California Bill is worse. We've been chronicling um, Seth Wickersham, the appropriately named Seth Wickersham's new book, It's Better to Be Feared, regarding the Brady-Belichick Patriots, Dan. Simmons, Simmons vouched for the book, and he clearly isn't a, a reader of the 15net.com, nor is he a listener to this podcast, because we know to never vouch. This is California Bill, and by the way, Tell me you haven't been watching the last 20 years without telling me that you haven't been watching the Patriots for the last 20 years here, Greenwich Bill. Quote, Seth Wickersham has managed to do the impossible. He has pulled off the definitive document of the Belichick-Brady dynasty. While I pick my jar up off the floor, Dan, um, Simmons, Wickersham, go ahead. Well, you can uh, take the boy out of ESPN, but you just can't take the ESPN out of the boy. (laughs) It's very true. He's, he's an embarrassment to his kind, to his to to New England. 
I mean, I, I, you've been reading this book. You and I have both been looking at this. We've, we see the same thing that we saw in the Wickersham columns back with Don Van Atta. Nothing's changed. Matter of fact, it's, it's, there's nothing that's really revelatory in the book. It's a book full of nothing burgers. Right. Yeah. Yep. The only thing I see is him trying to reinforce what he's already written elsewhere, even even using his own columns as a source. You know, in, in the end notes, they, they have he has his own columns and which I don't think is how you're supposed to do end notes. <laughs> That's very true. Um, Scott, Telly, go ahead on on California Bill. I, that, that was I guess I should have expected it. He had uh, Wickersham on his podcast from the book, but that blurb. Uh, the vouch, if you will, uh, really just set set me off a bit. Oh, sure, it's all it's all you know, log rolling and back slapping, and yeah, it's it's unfortunate. He uh, he was an innovator back in his digital city days, but my goodness, you know, who knows who knows what that is among most of uh, no kidding most of the people going around anymore. And like I said, when we were pre gaming. Right now, he's just uh, Fitzy with a 25-year head start. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great point. Um, we'll, uh, we'll revisit some stuff with California Bill in the future going on. Uh, Dan, this is a little bit of a callback to last week um, when we talked about Adam Schefter. After Adam Schefter, it was revealed that among the selective leaking of emails with the Washington football team that former Washington football team general manager Bruce Allen became a ghost editor for one of Alan Sh- uh, Adam Schefter's uh, columns. Um, this was the statement that was released on the ESPN PR Twitter account with uh, several t- uh, ten thousands of followers versus the Schefter's account, which probably has in excess of 2 million. Fair questions are being asked about my reporting approach on an NFL lockout story from 10 years ago. Just to clarify, that's, I thought that was copyrighted by Breer to clarify. It's common practice to verify facts of a story with sources before you publish in order to be as accurate as possible. In this case, I took the rare step of sending the full story in advance because of the complex nature of the collective bargaining tops. It was a step too far. And looking back, I shouldn't have done it. The criticism is fair. With that, I want to make this perfectly clear. In no way did I or would I cede editorial control or hand over final say about a story to anyone ever. End quote. I'm going to throw this one at you, Dan. A. This wasn't the first time that Schefter has done this. It's the first time he was caught. Anyone who thinks that this probably isn't standard practice for him, I don't, I don't know what you're thinking. Then. So I think it's maybe he's doing some responsible stuff here, but you have a bit of a background in this sort of stuff. What did you think about uh, the fall, the limited fall from Schefter stuff? Because obviously the media is a backslapping cesspool, as I say time and again. But uh, what did you think? You know, the, I'm trying to recall what it was. There was, a, there was a tweet from Schefter a little while back that was revealing, I know what it was. It was something about the Patriots and, and um, oh gosh, I'm, I can't remember the full thing about it. But, but we were questioning the tweet at the time because we were saying, well, it's Schefter. So as soon as you see that it was Schefter, you, you immediately go to, okay, which one of his masters is feeding him this right. for us to think this? You, whenever you see anything from Schefter, you think it's an agent or you think it's the league. It's it's not reporting. It's it's dictating. Yeah, it's, I, I make I make yeah. the point all the time. It's just it's Dictation. a lot of it's cop 
copy and paste with uh, changing some of the words, Scartelli. Um, the Schefter thing, um, put a bow on, on this Schefter stuff. Okay, I'm going to give you a little instant uh, fact check here. I just uh, went over and saw he's in excess of uh, 8.5 million Twitter followers Jesus. on his main account. So 8.5 million followers and two cell phones. He wants you to know that he carries two cell phones on him all the time. And again, repeating, repeating ourselves, and I'm repeating myself, it doesn't matter if it's Glazer, doesn't matter if it's Rappaport, doesn't matter if it's Brewer, doesn't matter if it's Schefter. Schefter's been around a bit longer, so he probably is first on the text, the text thread, this sort of thing. It's, it's so clear where this stuff comes from. It's, it's very easy reading his stuff where that stuff goes. There was a couple of years ago, there was speculation on the old board that he had a mole at 345 Park Avenue, who's monitoring the waiver wires and the transactions in the NFL office. But it's clear it just he had he had Bruce Allen um, not only on speed dial, but on his email chain. And what about his email exchanges with Bruce Allen? Did he ever email John Gruden? We'll never hear that. That stuff started, as we predicted, that's uh, really started to uh, slow down a little bit. The, uh, the momentum oh, yeah, that's the in the Raiders stuff. of the Lost Ark warehouse next to the... Uh, <laughs> season's worth of uh pounds per square inch in the football data that uh, they collected and uh that's right can we see that no no <laughs> what what hey look over here there's something shiny over here um the you other know, th the other well, thing i go ahead and i'm sorry sorry i want to interrupt on that well while the concept of the six hundred fifty thousand emails sounds tantalizing i don't know what we can expect would ever be revealed i mean it was an nfl investigation they have no incentive to reveal anything and uh, the, other than who might raise a stink. The, the most that we can expect for this is there's enough of a stink to, for them to release one more uh, uh, fall guy, you know, one more scapegoat. So yeah. I'm really holding out hope that that's going to be Jeff Pash. Oh, God. And speaking of Jeff Pash, um, I have a couple of tweets here that I bookmark from uh, at Jim in New England. And this is from October 15th. So this is a... a almost a week ago. Uh, Jim tweeted, so Seth Wickersham has tweeted about Jeff Pash, but only to further advertise his book. Shocking. Uh, Don Leonata Jr., meanwhile, has gone completely silent. A prized source that was willing to protect certain teams while burning others has been outed and damaged. And Jim just tweeted, um, again, today is the day we're recording, which is, what's today? Tuesday. Uh, he tweeted today, a solid week of radio silence from this guy after the Jeff, Jeff Pash angle surfaced. The emails are suddenly uninteresting to Don Van Natta Jr. I wonder why. So complicit by design or complicit by inaction, Dan, what do you think? Are you saying who complicit? Van Natta, this, the, the, the accountability industrial complex over at ESPN. I def well, I definitely think that that Nash was one of one of their key sources for sure. Oh, without a doubt, without a yeah. doubt. Um, Scott, tell any thoughts on that? Oh, I can't. Uh, I I one hundred percent defer all knowledge on uh, Wickersham and Van Natta to uh, to Dan over there. Dan is absolutely our our uh, our lead counsel on that. Go ahead, Dan. You know. We should never forget exactly where Pash stands as far as Patriot villains. I mean, he was the guy that he was 100%. one of the one of the guys that was sent during Spygate to New England, and he he was the the guy that stomped on the Patriots tapes and notes 
and which to my way of thinking, that was the thing that created Spygate. The best thing that, that could have happened for the Patriots at that point in time is if they never stomped on those. If those tapes got released, they'd see that it was nothing on there. But he was the guy that stomped on the tapes. He was the guy that uh, during Deflategate, he was the one that was going back and forth with the Patriots lawyers to make sure that um, those the, the wrong numbers of the wrong uh, pounds per square inch in the balls was never released up until the Wells report. And then he was the guy that edited the Wells report. Yes. That's, that's a great point. Um, more 345 park Avenue shenanigans. Uh, this is the last we'll talk about it before we start to get into the emails from a couple of different emailers this week. Uh, Michael McCann on October, Michael McCann is at McCann sports law on Twitter. He's a fairly interesting follow. Um, did you guys see about the Lyle Collins case, the Dallas Cowboys? Did he had yes. a he had a suspension? So I'll I'll read the tweet and I'll go to you, Scartelli. This is Michael McCann on October fifteenth with a link to his article. The NFL successfully invokes Tom Brady's Deflategate case to help defeat Lyle Collins. Brady's case is precedent that an arbitrator, including Goodell, can get facts wrong and misapply rules and yet still act legally if it follows the CBA. Let me read that again. They can get the facts wrong and misapply rules, and yet still act legally if it follows the collective bargaining agreement. Goodell is God, and he can do anything to his whim. Doesn't have to be right, doesn't have to be wrong. It's just the will of the ginger menace, Goodell. Oh, yes, because of a uh, poorly constructed CBA, he's got, uh, he's got, plenipotentiary power it's 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 crazy it's absolute you know absolute lollipop land you know cloud cuckoo land craziness but it's it's business as usual right up right up right down there and it's and it you know shame on the nfl players associations going back to you know the late gene upshaw you know upshaw and is and maybe up to damara smith i don't know i don't follow it that closely but how can you allow that dan it's just it's it just it like I know it, but now it's affecting other teams, America's team in this case, and it's going to affect other teams moving forward as well. This this capricious, arbitrary nature of it it's 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 bonkers. It's and it's an, it was entirely predictable, and but it was you know it's human nature. Nobody had any problem with another team getting punished as long as, long as it wasn't Patriots. Yep. So long as it wasn't their ox that was being gored. So yeah, no, they had no problem with. Uh, Goodell be, becoming judge, jury, and executioner. If it was yeah. Brady's hide that they were after, that's true. So I, I just wanted to do a a, a callback to both of those points regarding uh, Jeff Pash, Wickersham, Van Nata, and uh, Deflategate, as it were. Man, man, if we had that podcast, then I think all of our heads collectively would have exploded, uh, furthering each other's outrage over that sort of stuff. Uh, let's Closed, get even. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's get to the emails. Um, we do have an email from a veteran in Titletown emailer, Vinny Jace. Thank you, Vinny. But we also have one from our buddy Peebs. Uh, Peebs has a question for the podcast and maybe more of a point, I guess. And I think that we talked in, when we were pre-gaming about this, this the, the script is flipped on this. Uh, so Peebs wrote this be- before the Dallas game. He hears a lot about what Mac Jones isn't by the experts, but not any mention of what exactly they expected him to be at this stage of the game. And he'll hang up and listen, Scartelli. Uh, this, this, the script certainly has flipped 
from uh, before the Dallas game to afterwards. Now everybody is wondering why they're not opening it up and going full San Diego charges with Dan Fouts in the uh, in the late 80s, excuse me, uh, late 70s and early 80s. But a uh, good point re- regarding Mac Jones by Peeves. Oh, sure. I, I, the, the people had no idea what he was, no real idea what he was going to be. But the idea that he was going to be somewhere between Keith Null and uh, Teddy Bridgewater, there's all sorts of crazy, uh, crazy comparisons that have no basis from what you saw as, as uh, during his college days. And the fact that he was brought into the Patriots system should have been a clue as to uh, what sort of, he was a, he's a prototypical Belichick quarterback, it seems. Agreed. Uh, th- I mean, we're, what are we, we're five, six games in now. So I, I don't think, you, I haven't seen anything that I wouldn't be encouraged about, Dan. Uh, what'd you think about, uh, comment on uh, Peebs's, uh email to us. You know, I remember seeing uh, uh, people using Chad Pennington as a comp a lot, and they, were, they kept using that as a negative thing. And I think they forget how good a quarterback Chad Pennington was. Yes, he was. If if, if he has if he is Chad Pennington, this this is he's going to be a very successful quarterback. Yeah, as long as his shoulder doesn't get disattached like Pennington's did at some point. Exactly. Uh, yeah. What did Greg Bedard think of Mac Jones's uh, potential? I had no clue. Uh, we our next email, as I mentioned, is from uh, Vinny Jace in. Vinny, uh, Vinny says, uh, he emails this. We defended McDaniel in the weapons the last couple of weeks, as I have on Twitter, as I continue to make the mistake of logging on every Sunday. Take my brother's advice. Uh, limit your exposure to Patriots Twitter on game day. Uh, he thinks that McDaniels has done a great job integrating Mac Jones, but do you think there should be more big yardage plays dialed up? Dialed up? You, you don't just dial up blitzes. You can dial up more big yardage plays, evidently. Take a Joan, advantage of Jones's talent. I think we saw that a little bit more of that on Sunday with that absolutely clutch 75-yard touchdown to a Patriots assembly line receiver, Kendrick Bourne. Um, and, and what balls on, on Jones to make that throw against Diggs in coverage. A brilliant play call with a double move to take advantage of his aggressiveness right after the pick. It was a thing of beauty. Um, this is a good point. And Mike Lombardi has referenced this. Uh, on his podcast, GM Street, uh, GM Shuffle. Um, Vinny thinks that what fans want is a so-called Canadian football style of offense, where it's a two-down system that caused more angst and offenses to move quickly down the field. He thinks the play calling is fine. Um, he just hears people talk about it. That's evergreen. That's every goddamn fan base and every, every uh, media uh, horde following the team. Um, he hopes the wins start coming in soon. Everything about this season screams promise. It's just all the coin flip plays that have gone against us, and he'll take a lap for saying us. Maybe we'll start catching a break sooner rather than later. Uh, Vinny and, and Peebs, thank you for the email. Uh, Dan, I like that point about the Canadian football style of offense. Um, I would argue, as I argued earlier, I think that they, the reason that they've been in these games against excellent teams like the Buccaneers and Dallas is that they've been conservative, and it's a process. So uh, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely right. You know, he was talking about dialing up big plays. It's not like McDaniels says this is going to be a three-yard play or all, all the plays that they design are with the intention of them being big yardage plays. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yeah, I like it. That it really is. I mean, they're not 
they're not trying to get three yards in a cloud of dust in each play. You want oh, maximum yeah, the first, value uh, the everything. first running play to Harris in the game. God, yeah, Harris, we were... Harris runs angry. Yeah, they, they came after him afterwards and said, no, no, that was only supposed to be for three yards, Damien. Get down, Damien, get down, <laughs> for the love of God. And by the way, that Bourne pass is only supposed to be a 30-yard play, so it's, it's another, another bust by Bill the GM. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, entitledtown at gmail.com is our email address. So thank you. Thank both to Peebs and to Vinny to, uh, for sending that in. Um, I do like that point about the Canadian football thing. It's a uh, Canadian football, Homer Simpson's, or excuse me, Cosmo Kramer's favorite sport is, is Canadian football. Uh, I want to go to uh, this week. I do have some, uh, sa- some saved items from our BSMW Slack um, that I like to refer to. I think there's a, a lot of smart people there. And our buddy, Pat67, uh, put on there, uh, this Nesson post with Gasper telling Felger that maybe, just maybe, it's been suggested to Belichick by one of his quote-unquote collaborators. The Patriots should trade Mac Jones for Watson because how long can you wait for Jones, six career games, to become one of those players who makes everyone around her better, just as Deshaun Watson did in 2020 when everyone around him went 4-12. and 12. That's peak AIDS. But Belichick's got no time to waste if he's going to catch Shula, according to the trained journalist who is presently a weekend sports anchor. Also, Dakota Randall of Nesson, delete your account. Evergreen, black <laughs> message as far as I'm concerned. Um, ever, absolutely evergreen. All right, it's, it's time for the final thoughts. Scartelli, uh, you're leading off. All right. We know that uh, there's 11 games left. And if they, you know, if they do what they're supposed to do against, uh, against the Jets and they manage a win out in uh, Los Angeles, that puts them at four and four with nine games left. And I'm, uh, I, if they can just continue, uh, continue improving, I think, um, I think that this season could uh, wind up with uh, more wins than losses. I, I like your heads at Scarcelli nine and eight. Here we come. Uh, I will say that uh, Evan Lazar and Alex Barth, both who have been on this show, CLNS Media today actually put a headline, uh, this clickbaity headline for uh, something they were doing. I think it was a a two-man video they were doing. It's a season over? What? Season over? I mean, come on. They're they're two and four. It's not where they want to be, clearly. But that's neither here nor there. Dan, uh, you, you are up next. Yeah, in the wake of the uh, Stefan Gilmore trade, I've been noticing something as they have these close games where there, there, there's, a, there's a trend that kind of goes back to what happened the way people used to describe Spygate and something that used to, with uh, Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl 52. Um, back during Spygate, one of the more specious arguments that people made was, well, they only won those super, those three Super Bowls by just three points each. So certainly the cheating would, would have been the thing that put them over the top. And then when um, Butler didn't play in Super Bowl 52, uh, their argument was, well, he only they, look at how bad those other guys were. He only needed to be in there for just that one play, and that would have turned the Super Bowl. And now th- this is going to be the thing going forward with, with Gilmore, that if they have these close losses, well, Certainly, if we had Stefan Gilmore, that would have been the one thing that would have turned turned those those, those games. It's it's a great point. It's it's continuing. It's it's this negative rolling flashpoint that rolls from one 
one, not just one year to the next, but one era to the next. And it's uh, the sky was falling when they released Laurie Malloy. The it's sky a presumption. Was, uh, yeah, it's the presumption that all these games are played in a vacuum. Yeah, it, it really is kind of a tell when you see that sort of thing. It becomes and it becomes groupthink, and it's a big reason to why we're doing what we do. It's I we encourage people to think for themselves, and you don't necessarily have to agree with us. And there's again. Uh, entitled town bingo there is some gaslighting that goes on with this i don't think there's a lot of authenticity in that they're just parroting to go along to get along uh, i'd like to f- raise a practical question was gilmore even eligible to play on sunday with greg the, bedard uh, thought he was which means that um certainly he wasn't i had no clue i can't get enough of that go ahead scratchy uh, anytime you have the opportunity to plug in a uh, malingering malcontent to an important position. You have to do it. <laughs> you absolutely have to do it. Uh, my final thoughts are that the, the grand old game, and it always comes back to baseball, Scartelli. The Red Sox <laughs> are up two games. By the time this drops, uh, the series could be, two, uh, could be in the Astros' favor. Who knows? But the Red Sox won a fantastic game three at Fenway. A lot of energy in the ballpark. Uh, they're, hitting the absolute snot out of the baseball. Um, I'm enjoying the ride. I would encourage everyone else to do the same, except for Mike on route one thoughts and prayers to Mike on route one. Um, I'd also like to send a big thank you to the Bronx. Aaron Boone has been extended for three years. Uh, Yankee fans are crying everywhere. Their tears are delicious. Um, Alex Rod- Alex Rodriguez is still the most despicable person on the planet watching uh, the, the game three post game. And it was lovely that the, the they were outside on Jersey street and they were getting drowned out by the completely sober Red Sox fans leaving uh, Fenway and Glee after uh, the big victory. So that was fantastic. So I, I hope this continues on and I can bring out the Rick of the horn. Uh, maybe we'll record our, our podcast next entitled town at gmail.com. You know, the Twitter account Dan is at Patriots daily. Scartelli's junk draw drops today. He is at the 15net.com. He is the managing editor and lead columnist. My name is Mike Irons. And as always, never forget, never forget to turn off your radio. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. You got the wrong guy leading this basketball team. With hearts higher than Bunker Hill, we cheer this gallant team. They ran and hit and never quit and forged the impossible dream. (laughs) 